0: On this episode, I interviewed Cameron Ferguson, who is the head of conditioning and rehab at the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. On this episode, we talked about Cam's role as a rehab coach and what that job entails. We then talked about how the communication and crossover between the S&C and rehab slash physio departments goes. We talked about the different philosophies with performance coaches and head coaches in a couple different teams that Cam's worked in and how um, he has made that work, We then talked about some of the common return-to-play criteria he's used and any tests or tech that he likes to utilize during that. We then talked about uh, any goals or principles of training and monitoring that he likes to do uh, to make sure the players are ready to play. And then we talked about, since rugby rugby is a very physical sport, how he can kind of adjusts week-to-week on the players um, during the season on how to make sure they're still training and train around the minor injuries they may have. We then finished off with Cam's biggest piece of advice he has for working across the continuum of both physio and strength and conditioning for those professionals as well as athletes. Great episode. Here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date, evidence-based content and knowledge through your life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So please have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Cameron Ferguson, who is the head of conditioning and rehab at the Manly Mooring of Sea Eagles. So really appreciate you being on, Cam. I guess, um, first off, if you just want to kind of introduce yourself, talk a little bit about the background, where you came from, um, the positions you've had, and kind of where you've ended up currently, that'd be great.
1: No worries, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Basically, I was uh, born and raised in the country of Victoria in um, Gippsland. I just sort of grew up playing a lot of sport, uh, AFL, basketball, or probably my um, preferred sports, and got to a point where I started playing senior football and um, sort of thought that that was the direction I was going in as a um, professional footballer. But obviously, uh, yeah, probably wasn't good enough to um, go down that route. Um, although I enjoyed it thoroughly, I've come to a realisation where I wasn't going to make a living off it. So, um, But at the time, I was really... Um, keen on my fitness and um, strength and conditioning and, and sort of come to a point where I thought um, if I'm not going to make it professionally, I'd love to be able to help those who are um, at the elite level. So I um, decided I wanted to go into the SNC um, industry and sort of did my research and ended up Uh, moving up to the Gold Coast and and doing a Bachelor of Sports Science at Bond University. (coughs) Um, So this is about 2007. So got up and moved up to the Gold Coast, which was probably part of the criteria for myself at the time was um, where's some good places to live. And luckily, yeah, found a really good spot up on the Gold Coast and studied there for three years um, doing sports science. and. Yeah, so that that's sort of what got me started. But to be honest, I, I wasn't really sure where that would lead me. Um, I sort of had a open mind and keen to sort of go wherever that would take me. And, yeah, I suppose at, at the time I was uh, really keen on getting my hands dirty and rolling up the sleeves. And um, so I did a lot of practical work experience um, throughout the – undergraduate degree, which which probably was a point of difference of mine, to be, to be honest, because the degree at the time, and I'm sure you'd um, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but um, it was very science-orientated and um, chemistry and physics, and this was a, a whole new world to me. I um, didn't really do a lot of that stuff in high school at all, um, so I, I really... Um, struggled to understand, you know, the, the fundamentals of all that. But at the same time, um, my strengths were, you know, rolling up my sleeves and, and getting my hands dirty and, and coaching athletes and kids at schools and um, stuff like that. So I actually did a lot of work experience throughout um, the three years I was there. And um, by the final semester, um, in year three in our sports science degree, we had to go and do work experience. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the same how it all goes now, but um, and at the time, the Gold Coast Suns were um, starting up, uh, so they had the license to go into the AFL um, for 2010 or 2011. I can't remember the the exact year, but. At the time, they had started an under-18s program, so I'd basically volunteered my time there, Um, and they they were obviously skeleton staff and sort of managed to um, find a um, a role there, obviously unpaid, but um, made myself useful there and um, was basically given some GPS units and you know, see what you can do with that. And um, yeah, that's sort of how it all started for me.
0: I guess maybe from then on out, talk about kind of the, the general roles and positions you've progressed through in, in your career. And then we can kind of get into more of the specifics on um, the position you're in now. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. So when I first um, started at the Gold Coast Suns, it was basically a year of work experience and that they were in the VFL uh, that year, which is a Victorian feeder or the second tier competition of the AFL. So we would travel down to Melbourne every second week and play a home game on the Gold Coast at Southport every every second week. So basically I was a sports scientist there, so basically looking after wellness markers and and GPS. So I basically did that for for a whole year. At the time we only had... Five GPS units, so it was very new, the budget was short, so um, I suppose I was lucky in a sense that I wasn't overwhelmed with too much work, but um, yeah, it was a good introduction for me there. Um, the second year, then they went into the AFL, so yeah, I earned myself a part-time role there, and at the same time, they started up a AFL academy which is basically developing younger talent across the certain zones in Queensland that the Gold Coast have the right to. So basically oversaw the um, s program there. So again, having two different lenses on, I suppose, looking at a lot of sports science and then getting my practical work experience with uh, s getting my hands dirty there, making mistakes, learning about how to Coach a group of people, yeah. So I was very fortunate to sort of have uh, balance that out, um, and then basically my role at the in the AFL grew to a full time capacity, still more sport science orientated. But as time went on, I sort of get a bit more hands on, helping out in the gym, helping out with rehab, conditioning off feet with with certain athletes. So. That, that's probably the, the direction I wanted to go in, but at the same time, I was really enjoying um, the sports science aspect of everything and, and learning and finding how, you know, the sports science or the GPS measures influence the program and how the program influences certain metrics and numbers. And so I found that really interesting. So basically, I was at the Suns for um, six years, full time, and then at the time we had a new coach come in with a new high performance team, and yeah, basically finished my time up there. And at the end of twenty fifteen, I found an opportunity down down in Sydney with with the Manly Seagulls as a rehab uh, coach. So. Yeah, basically moved down into 2015 and and started my journey uh, in rugby league with the Manly Seagulls and, yeah, the rest is history, mate. I've been here for this my sixth season now and basically uh, started as as a rehab coach and have sort of evolved throughout time, doing a bit more uh, conditioning with the main group Um, and this year, yeah, I'm overseeing all the uh, fitness or, or conditioning and um, ensuring that the end-stage rehab with the with the injured guys, uh, there's a smooth transition into uh, coming back with the main group.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, the ever flow and changing of professional sport for sure leads you kind of wherever, I guess, the opportunities arise. So uh, it's kind of good to yeah, see your background and, and kind of how you've progressed from one thing to another. But I think the next question, the next thing I want to focus on is kind of that the rehab coach position as um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of the uh, newer, uh, newer position that's trying to mend the strength, conditioning and physio side of things. Um, And I think it's one that I'm really interested in. I know a lot of other people um, like to kind of see someone that knows both sides of things and and how that works. So if you wouldn't mind just maybe elaborating a little bit on kind of how, uh, I guess, what your general duties were and how you kind of um, use that role to to get the best care for the athletes.
1: Yep. Um, Well, basically, the role that I have been in 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 the NRL is um, returning injured athletes, back to training and back to performance. Probably more the acute stage, um, and depending on the injury, of course, but the acute stage management's more left up to the team doctor or the head physio, and basically once they're um, capable of moving or at a functional capacity, whether it be introduction to to jogging or out of a sling or something like that, then basically uh, the handover begins um, and, yeah, that, that's sort of how it's been um, in my role. I'm not sure what it's like, you know, in other in other codes or in other clubs, but I, I've got that S&C hat on, so, you know, I assume it might be different to other, other organisations where it might be a, a physio that sees that all the way through, um, but I, I think it's a strength of ours to have a blend of S and C and and physio, um, to ensure that we get a athlete back to performance with, you know, obviously mitigating, um, risk of injury, but also increasing their likelihood of performance. So having that mix is, is very valuable.
0: Yep. And so so after the acute stages, you kind of take over from there and then, You'd progress them to a point to where they could pretty much go back to full time training, and then you kind of pass them on to that full time SNC conditioning role and so on.
1: Yeah, that that's sort of how it looks on paper. Um, obviously, <laughs> yeah. there's there's not a black and white handover. You know, the the, the physio might always be part of the journey, but um, the volume of, of work might shift. And in my current role now, it's um, I probably don't see the volume of athletes that are coming back from injury, but I, I, my duty is to ensure that they're still maintaining the injury prevention aspects of their program whilst being um, with, with the main group. So, yeah, there, there's always a handover, but there's never a clear um, walking away from, from it completely as sort of everyone's constantly involved.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's probably kind of the the idea of that role as well to kind of transition as smoothly through that. I guess with with the injured athletes, are you you're monitoring their gym programs and adjusting to keep the strength up as well as as their conditioning and on field and kind of return to performance through that?
1: Absolutely. Obviously, depending on the injury, some guys might be immobilized and and are and unable to to run or um, whatnot. So, sort of my Focus is to ensure that we maintain some sort of conditioning base before they um, return to the field. Yeah, and and similar with their strength, you know, making sure that they're staying on top of certain marks that we've identified that are really important to returning back to performing. Um, So making sure that those markers stay at a certain standard whilst being back with the main strength group
0: would you mind maybe just expanding on that and maybe giving a couple examples of kind of how you um would take a athlete that has a lower limb injury and try to try to keep their conditioning up and and keep their strength up as much as possible in the lower limbs or something along those lines to just give some perspective
1: for example like an acl uh injury so we've got obviously it, it takes a while to get on the field and start running um but in that time You know, we've got a protocol that we go through a watt bike program. So we've got certain measures to tick off um, as we progress through that. And obviously that's not the final marker to ensure that you can go back on the field, but it gives us a bit of a guideline as to how they're tracking fitness-wise. So sort of looking at watts per kilo, you know, it might be, for example, doing three watts per kilo for five minutes. That's a little fitness test. And we might have a four week program getting them to that point. But again, that, that's, yeah, physically it, it might help a little bit, but it's more the mental and emotional side for a competitive athlete that's all of a sudden we've put the handbrakes on and you can't go and chase or you can't go and um you know compete all the time so if we give them little measures and little a little checklist to strive for i think that's very healthy um for a for an athlete yeah i've I've sort of forgotten what the question was now
0: pat oh good no yeah that 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 answers it well and i think that's a good point you brought up in and I guess a question off that, would you say that initially when you get them kind of whenever that is in that crossover time frame, would, would you would you say a lot of it is more kind of that um, mental side of things and trying to get them to mentally be competing and so on? And then the more they get closer to that, you handing them back to the normal S&C coaches, that's when it gets more, I guess, the physical side of things?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, there's definitely the mental aspect that you have to – aware of with with these athletes as you as you'd imagine they're, they're highly competitive and if you take away what they're good at which is obviously football you need to be able to feed that competitiveness so being very measured in your approach with how you progress uh, their rehab but also keeping them on the same page and, and giving them um, some little goals and some little competitive targets to, to reach so obviously through my role it's more fitness measures so it might be in a uh, conditioning session there's certain numbers that we're we're striving for and that progressively overloads over time same with strength obviously early stages in rehab they're limited to their function but once they're functionally moving a lot better uh, we might start increasing some strength goals or some plyometric goals whether it be looking at a um, peak force on a force plate in a jump or a strength measure on the norboard or, you know, even comparing how they're tracking compared to the main group with certain lifts um, whilst they're being in a controlled environment. Um, It still gives them confidence knowing that they're, you know, not too far away from the main group or even at times significantly stronger than the main group so
0: yeah and then when with that those people you're training are they kind of working in their own group would you say to where you know you have um your main group that's you know uninjured uninjured and then you're training all the injureds kind of more in that group setting again for that mental slash competitive environment yep
1: uh, a lot of the time it it depends on the type of injury the type of um or the phase of where we are in the season. So at the moment it's pre-season, so basically we're training five days a week. So the schedule allows us to integrate the rehab guys as much as possible with the main group. So they would be running on the field whilst the field session's on. They'll be doing off field conditioning at a similar time to when the main group's doing that, and obviously in the gym at the same time. So a lot of the planning... That we do goes into integrating them with the main group as much as possible. Um, in season's a lot different. Um, obviously, we're playing, so there's rest days during the week. There's lighter days. There's recovery and video days. That yeah, it's harder to get the rehab guys in sync with the main group. So yeah, it it kind of depends on the the scheduling um in terms of how much we can put them with the main group but as much as possible um is ideal for sure
0: yeah okay so just kind of depending on the schedule and everything and trying to make everything work um i guess one thing that I kind of go back to a little bit as you mentioned it initially with how you'll you know the physios will kind of deal with more of the acute stuff and when that, then they can return to more of the running side they'll hand it over to you um so Maybe we can talk about kind of the communication <clears throat> between, you know, the physios, the rehab coach, and then ju- the your just general strength and conditioning coaches. Um, and then is it like an exit criteria basis between one coach or the other, or you just kind of all have a structured program you're looking at working toward to one goal of getting an athlete to a certain point?
1: Um, yeah, there's definitely structured criteria, but the it's it's very fluid as well, so... Like the physio might prescribe, you know, full knee extension or have a certain amount of knee flexion, pain-free gait, no swelling, being able to do a single leg squat. That might be an example of uh, early stage criteria. And once that's fully clear, then they sort of move on to the next progression. But there might be times where an athlete's not swelling up, doesn't have pain, but just lacks that motor control. But at the same time, we've still progressed his strength program or um, conditioning program. So, you know, there might be a handover to myself where we're doing more functional exercises, but I've still got that checklist that we need to tick off from an acute stage perspective or or understanding that there's still um, areas of improvement there. So, yeah, there's um, definitely a checklist through different stages. Um, but the handover is always, um, you know, it's very fluid. So the, the the strength coach still might be prescribing some injury prevention exercises that we recommend from an early stage to a through to a late stage injury.
0: Okay, so the the physio will kind of give you some restriction, I guess, and then the rehab and the strength coach will work around that restrictions to try and make the athlete still train as much as possible while being in that realm
1: yeah so you know it's not as much yeah so the physio might be saying these are certain restrictions that we can't do and i suppose my goal is to or role is to find uh, what can we do what can we put in the program what how can we improve where are the areas that we need to get better so there's that um that balance between restrictions and um areas that we can improve on
0: yeah and that kind of probably goes back to what you were saying beforehand with figuring out what you can do i think that's a good point of not only physically but mentally for the athlete allowing them to figure out how they can do something to feel productive yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> So not only the um, like the physio and SNC departments, I guess, but maybe we can talk about I guess the different philosophies and of the performance coaches, the high performance managers, and then making sure that fits in with the head coaching strategy as well, and how just you know everything kind of flows together in that rehab and conditioning space as it's um, you know pretty uh, territorial, I guess, sometimes, and and some people, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of gray area too in that, so I guess. Your general, how you go about that as, as yourself, and in, in the programs you've be, programs you've been in.
1: Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, I've been a part of obviously two different sporting codes where the physical demands are are, are, are very different, um, and I've also been under two different coaches in each of those sporting codes, and each coach has demonstrated different philosophies, a coaching philosophy, and. Underpinning that, I suppose, is the uh, physical performance program. So that's dependent on the coach's philosophy. So being aware of what the coach wants, what we stand for, how we play, all that's dependent on uh, or hinges on how we can physically get these athletes ready. So, uh, for example, when I was at the Gold Coast Suns, we had a very young, talented, list so with very uh, limited experience professionally so at, at that time it was more to uh, develop these athletes physically over a long period of time um, and that probably well obviously did come at a cost of performance and then you know with, with the different high performance manager down the track there's different philosophies um, in terms of how we physically get these athletes ready. And the, over time, there was a shift of, you know, pushing the athletes harder, increasing their capacity. But again, that came at a physical cost where players might might be breaking down and unable to tolerate a certain load, which subsequently player availability on the field was limited. And, and obviously that comes at a... Uh, Detrimental effects with your win-loss. But again, not to say either philosophy was, was right or wrong. It's more understanding what we stand for, what direction we're going in. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm blabbering on here, mate. But, yeah, basically it's, yeah. Uh, so at, at the Suns, there was two different philosophies that or approaches that, that I was a part of. And the first one was long-term athletic development building the athletes' capacity up over a long period of time. And then the second philosophy was more this is the standard of success at this level. And we, we threw that program at the athletes and a lot of a lot of the athletes weren't able to tolerate that. Um, just because it's a huge jump and due to their lack of experience or or whatnot. They you know, some struggled to, to tolerate that. So that was the, probably the two different philosophies that I encountered in, in um, AFL. Yeah, I don't know if you want me to dive into how or what that looks like, um, but that's more of a summary of, of the two different philosophies.
0: Yeah, so, so you, um, I guess to kind of summarize that up, would you say it's a lot of the higher up gives you the general idea and then then the lower down the chain you go you have to figure out how to implement that and make it practical and make it work and make it flow and and that's kind of um what you've experienced in in your two times and things that you've mentioned there
1: yeah definitely and and then i suppose moving to a different sporting code rugby league where it's it's more strength and power and collision based sport versus AFL's more aerobic and speed endurance based sport so just being able to understand the physical demands of the two sports is really important um, in particularly in my role as a SNC coach you know, and and also probably culturally AFL's you know the, the running demands are, are a lot higher um, so they'll cover a lot more distance on the ground. They'd be a lot leaner than I, than rugby league. And rugby league, there's probably more of an emphasis on strength and and explosiveness. Um, so they're probably the yeah the the main areas that that you focus on more in in rugby league is is ensuring that you maintain your physical capacities within the gym. Versus AFL, it's main, maintain your physical capacities on the field and run for longer and, yeah, so I've sort of been privileged to be able to see that from two different aspects and something that, you know, I, I feel that I've brought into into our environment in rugby league is to also not go away from the running demands that, that you might have to ensure that you're staying on top of so yeah that's that's something i feel that you know we're doing well in the current environment uh this season so we're challenging our athletes physically from a running perspective obviously making it as specific as possible and and football orientated as possible but also ensuring that we're maintaining our strength qualities in the gym
0: yeah and i think with um you mentioned that you had two different kind of um, experiences with with AFL with the long term athletic development and then pushing more, but then yeah, also having that experience with a completely different sport that has more of a strength demand than 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 the running demand is um, you know an interesting point as well. Um, I guess kind of moving on into again more of that rehab side of things. What would you say? did you have anything that was relatively common among, you know, your injuries that you saw that you use a lot for your kind of return to play and performance criteria or things that you found worked well? And I I know this is a relatively general question and there's so many different variables and injuries, but, or just some specific points you want to make with that, that um, of things you found that worked well and kind of developing that criteria and deciding when, you know, this player should move from this stage to the next stage and so on.
1: Yep. Um, probably the 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 key key point with with rehab and something that you identify across a lot of injuries is the the you you get injured because there's a breakdown somewhere. So there's a weakness in the chain somewhere. So it's a, it's been able to identify weaknesses um, in an athlete, and it might be how they move. So finding a weakness in In an athlete and working on that coupled with obviously rehabilitating the the injured side itself but making the athlete more robust so moving better so identifying areas that need improving Um, throughout the rehab phase I I like to have more of an objective measure um, that you can track over a long period of time and something that is common in different injuries, whether it be a shoulder or a, a hamstring injury or a ACL reconstruction. A lot of the time we look at um, isometric strength. So, uh, and that's something that um, doesn't take too much of a physical toll on an athlete that you can replicate in multiple days in a week. You can implement it within a strength program might be part of an exercise or a warm-up routine, and you can keep that test from an early stage in the rehab through to the late stage and even after they return. That's an example of a a marker that we might look at for the next six weeks after someone returns to play. So, for example, a a shoulder reconstruction, we might get someone at at a 90-90 position once they've obviously got their, their full range, which is a marker of like an early stage or a mid-stage criteria, so having full shoulder external rotation at 90 degrees, once we get to that point, then we start getting some isometric measures there. Um, and that might, that might be a strength component in an early stage or a, or a mid-stage of a shoulder reconstruction um, but as it, as the athlete progresses and adapts over time, that, that exercise might be part of their warm-up routine. Um, but it stays within their program over time and it's something that we can track and monitor to ensure that we're progressing. And there might be days where someone's stiff or sore or they've, they've just finished a wrestle session or just overall fatigued and that's showing in their isometric measures so that might be something that we manipulate their program or or adjust on the fly based on how they're presenting um so that that's an example for a shoulder or a pec we've we've had a few of those so pec repairs shoulder reconstructions they're they're similar um you know like an acl reconstruction or a hamstring strain same thing, looking at isometric measures, whether we use a force plate and, and get the athlete to provide a, a hamstring isometric contraction. And that, again, that's something that, that we track over a long period of time. You know, again, ensuring that there's no imbalances left and right, that strength continues to improve, um, that and it sort of gives us good feedback that is the program or is the dose that we're providing for these athletes correct? So, you know, and after you get a handful of athletes going through an injury, you you tend to collect some data and understand if you go through six weeks of this type of training, we tend to see a 3 to 5% improvement week to week. So we can sort of set some um, goals for the athlete you know, this is your number this week. Next, by next Friday, we we expect you to be five percent better. So, this is a number that we want you to go for, or where you should be tracking. So, yeah, is, is that all right?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point too. Of um, using isometrics is something that you said you you like to use, which is something that you can. Um, do relatively consistently without too much fatigue on the athlete, as well as having a monitoring tool kind of built into the, to exit criteria and a monitoring tool combined. And then using that actually using the data, which is um, a couple people I've talked to recently, i um, talking about making sure whatever you measure, you make sure you utilize otherwise while you're measuring it. And, and so that's a, that's a good point of, of making sure, um, you know, to, to utilize those, those numbers as well. Um, I guess, so also not only with um, kind of the, the criteria you're building out, but you, you mentioned too how you you like to implement certain things to kind of reduce injury risk and trying to keep players on the field as much as possible and player availability and making sure that, you know, decreasing those injured as much as possible to have everyone out there. I guess, what are some things that you like to implement um, in, into uh, the players to try and reduce that risk as much as possible or things you've found that you think are beneficial and i like i said obviously there's you know there's you can't always you know you're not going to be eliminating injuries but things that you think you found helpful
1: um it's that's i suppose that's the you know the biggest question that everyone needs wants to know particularly in in elite sport is how you keep your athletes out on the field for the longest it all comes down to consistency for me so treating each session or Showing the importance each session has on their athletic development and building momentum of each session. So it, it all comes down to consistency for me. So, a lot of the, if we look at um, data of, of guys that have completed preseason in our list, the, the guys that tend to have the better years or the better season tend to do most of the preseason. So when you break that down, you know, at a at a smaller level, it's more making sure that the athlete that you're working with can consistently improve. And in doing that, they have to keep training. Uh, that, that's probably not the clearest answer for you, mate. But for me, it's, um,
0: yeah. So maybe like your consistent exposure and then the, like I said, just adding up over time instead of just, you know, starting soon before season or so on you're saying like the consistencies that's that's your main focus for that that you found
1: yeah i don't know how to articulate it clearer for you but it's more so so in in rehab so with someone coming back from an acl injury you know roughly takes roughly about 50 runs to get back to a stage where you can return to train so if you have an athlete. Um, that's breaking down or that's getting sick or has a little niggle or misses a week of training, you know, due to an illness or, or whatnot, that 50, those 50 sessions are going to increase, you know, maybe an extra month. Mm-hmm. So being able to tolerate the, the dose that we give an athlete is, is very important. Um, obviously, it's it's my job to ensure that the athlete isn't overreached too much. But the athlete also has to understand how important it is to um, continually improve and not miss sessions regularly.
0: Yeah, and then so kind of progressing on from that too. Um, if let's say they were to be injured, so obviously it's going to happen throughout the season. But it's not a major inj- injury; it's just some small thing that's given them a little issues throughout the season. How do you usually go about managing that to keep them, you know, ready to play, but also at, at a level that they can perform well? Kind of in the season, is there anything particular you like to do through then? Yeah,
1: it's very hard in in rugby league that in season. There's a everyone's bashed up and they've got bruises and they can't move. And but again, it's consistency. So being a being able to identify little periods within our schedule where. We have to maximise the exposure for the athletes to get their strength in or get their conditioning in. Um, we might, you might be able to get away with it over a short turnaround. If there's a five-day turnaround and everyone's bashed up and bruised and um, can't move, that they might be the weeks that are really low in training, but that. Also comes at a cost, so you have to identify where's the times that we can hit these guys with with their strength or with their conditioning and and drive the importance of being available and ready to to train to get your exposure of high intensity efforts or, or to get your ex, exposure of maximal strength or power output obviously there's times where guys are limited in doing that, but that you know if you 've got a, a sore elbow or a sore shoulder you can still you know, produce strength through your legs or power through your legs. So it's really important to find opportunities to maintain those physical qualities throughout a season.
0: Yeah, and and I guess kind of going back and maybe talking about your biggest principles is kind of throughout all of your your training and your rehab. You mentioned consistency and then making sure you train specifically to the sport to to expose them to the demands that they're going to have to do within the game. Do you have anything else? that you think uh, is, is important as well? Or do you think those two, if you can consistently do those two things, um, that's going to kind of be your, the um, the best for the athletes?
1: Yeah, look, it's, it's just all the boring stuff. <laughs> so being able to prepare, yeah, my big words, consistency, obviously. Being able to go through your daily routine consistently before training. So each individual has a 15, 20-minute routine that's um, is specific to their individual needs. So obviously getting that right on a daily basis, um, being available to training or to the rehab sessions, getting better through objective measures that we provide athletes um, and in season being able to to maintain those qualities um, and obviously recovery. But, yeah, oh, there's no magic potion here. It's all being able to replicate the simple things really well over a long period of time
0: yeah those are yeah definitely great things that um i think is definitely is probably missed um doing the boring things well uh i guess one one last question here to finish on i guess what is what would you say your biggest piece of advice or knowledge would be uh kind of working that when you've worked across the continuum of strength and conditioning and the f- rehab side of things um for um like Sports performance and sports rehab professionals, as well as athletes.
1: Uh, the big thing, I believe, is just having the emotional and intelligence, um, being able to provide empathy to to athletes, but also challenge them at the same time, and not obviously building rapport with the athlete is really important. But obviously, but um, I'm a big believer on. Challenging people to get better constantly. But if you're not showing the empathy with that athlete, sometimes it's really hard to be able to challenge someone and get a positive response. Um, so being able to understand the, the people that you're working with, whether it's the athlete and it might be being able to communicate well with, with the team doctor or the physiotherapist or other SNC coaches or the, the head coach. So I think it's a matter of being able to communicate well with different people and ensuring that we're all on the same page and understand the direction that we're going in. So getting that right and then obviously at the coalface being able to work well with the athlete themselves and everyone's different, everyone's motivated from different things, whether it's financial security or you know family providing for their family or you know doing it for their teammates or whatever it is Um, being able to understand that and then being able to provide them the tools to get better and also challenge them to improve consistently
0: great advice there to the athletes in the sports performance and sports medicine professionals thank you very much Cameron for taking the time to be on the episode really appreciate it Thank you for listening to No Week Links. If you'd enjoy the show and would be able to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated as it would help the show reach more people. I also provide free strength and conditioning content and injury rehabilitation content on Instagram at Coach Patrick Wood. On my website, www.patrick-wood.com. All this information can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening.